Well, we've been doing a study on prayer uh, these last couple of weeks. A few weeks ago, we started the study. The last two weeks, uh, we've taken a time off. We had a, a, a Sunday where we ordained three of our uh, uh, new mi- uh, uh, deacon minister, uh, ministers for our ministerial staff. I'm trying to say that real quick. Um, and that was a great service. Of course, three of the greatest guys. Last week, we had our Disciple Now weekend, and that was a super, super uh, great weekend. So today, we're going to pick back up in this series uh, entitled, Your Prayer Position. And in the next three weeks, we're going to wrap up this series study on prayer. And so what we're going to do starting today, we're going to break down what the Bible refers to as the Lord's Prayer. And it's a really big deal, and you're going to see why. Uh, once we get uh, into it. I want us to take a look at what does the Bible have to say? What does the Lord's Prayer mean? When we think of the Lord's Prayer, a lot of things come to our mind, and in order to do this justice, we're going to break it down into three parts. Uh, The Lord's Prayer is the response that uh, that Jesus gave to all of the disciples When they went to him and they said, Lord, we don't know how to pray. And when they went to him and when they told him, we don't know how to pray, Jesus responded by saying, okay, when you pray, pray this way. And then out came the prayer. Out it came. You're going to find it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 14, if you have your Bibles. Um, You also will find it in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, but we're going to be in Matthew on this study. Now, I hope you find this study these next three weeks just as exciting as I do. And the reason? I was 19 years old when I became a Christian. I was not a Christian growing up in my house. My parents, they would take us to church. Uh, We would go to church, uh, but it was just like, it was just church. It's nothing to it. It's just religion. It's all religious. Didn't even know what I believed. Didn't e- wasn't even sure about uh, God and all that stuff. Because everybody I ran around with sure didn't go to church a lot. They certainly didn't practice what they preached or what they heard. So for me, when I became a Christian, um, when I was 19, a lot of things happened that got my attention that told me there is so much more going on out there than you're aware of. So much more. And in one of the areas in my life that took me a really long time to get over was this thing on prayer. And the reason? I didn't know how to pray. And I was embarrassed. Because you'd be at church, and you're hearing someone get up and do a big old King James prayer. And man, that guy right there is so holy. He's just going to you know, get raptured right in front of our eyes at any given moment. And here you are trying to fumble through a prayer. And I would always be terrified that people would call on me to pray because I I didn't know how to do that like everyone else I didn't know how to pray when I was in my bedroom the night when I gave my life to Christ and I knew what I needed to do finally because it, it was it made sense because of the the guy one guy that was instrumental in my life and me coming to know Jesus I remembered I was all alone I was in my bedroom it was late at night and I remember thinking, I need to do what, what Arlo told me to do. I know that's the only way. I know that's the only way I'm going to find what Arlo has. I wanted what he had. 
Arlo had peace. He, he was always, uh, he was a glass that was always half full. And he lived on his own since he was 12 because he had a raging bad alcoholic dad. And he was 12 and he lived on his own. And yet you would never know that if you, if you hung out with Arlo. Very mature, a lot of fun, very positive, very hopeful, and just, he just, it was just Jesus. And, and when he went off to school and I was high and dry, I left at home after that whole summer that he worked on me and the Lord was working on me. I just didn't know it at the time. I now found myself in my bedroom late at night on my knees. And I remember thinking, I need to pray and talk to Jesus. But how do I pray? I didn't know. So you know what I did? I reverted back to what I would see in stores. People on their knees. So I, I got on my knees. And I thought, well, i got to put my hands together because everybody does that. So I put my hands together. And right there in my bedroom, I was totally uh, not feeling intimidated by anyone else because it was just me. I started having a long talk with Jesus. And when I got off those knees, I didn't feel anything. I didn't hear anything. That would have been super fine with me. That would have been really cool. But I didn't. But the one thing I did know, I know Jesus heard my prayer. Because when I got up, I felt a thousand times lighter than when I went down. Uh, Brandon and Victoria and the praise band, they just sang that in that last song. He will run after you. He will kick down walls. He will tear down lies to get to you. All you need to do is make yourself open and available to say yes to him. That's it. Well, the disciples did that. When they went to him and they said, Lord, I need, we want you to teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Now, the one thing I want us to get out of that is this. I am so glad. Aren't you glad that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray? Otherwise, we wouldn't have this, would we? I am glad that they were not, um, what's the word? Uh, they didn't care about what anyone was going to think that they didn't know how to pray. You know what they cared about? They had Jesus next to them, and they knew that there was something going on with Jesus. They were trying to figure it out, too. And they asked him, would you teach us how to pray? We don't know how to pray. Never, ever, don't ever make yourself intimidated in asking a question that you think, well, I should know this, but I don't, so I don't want to. Don't do that. Don't do that. The dumbest question that you'll ever ask is, should I ask that question? Right? Ask. If you don't know how to do something, ask. Well, I'm glad that the disciples did. And when they did, we got um, what Jesus' reply was. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, pray then in this way. And then he said, our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, some people will treat the Lord's Prayer as a formula. I know you've been to many different places, as I have, where someone would introduce a prayer concept and that everyone will just find themselves chanting this, this prayer. Some people will see this rigid prayer that we have in our context as something that just happens to us when we pray these words. There's something in the formula, in the, in the, in the reading, that just does something. It's magical. It's mystical. It's none of those things. It's none of those things. It, it's just, if it's something that makes you feel good and close to God, well then great. But there's nothing magical about using those words. In your bulletin, you're going to see something, and it's at the very beginning, and I put it in there for a reason. It's at the very top. I want you to take notice that the Lord did not say, pray these words. He didn't say that. What he did say was pray this way. Pray this way. He didn't say pray these words. He said pray this way. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at the way in which Jesus said that he wants us to pray. Because in so doing, this is his way of literally just taking us by the hand saying, listen, when you're going to pray and you, want to, you really want to connect, you really want this to happen, then pray like this. Pray this way. And then he put that out. So we're going to take apart each of the things that Jesus said. Why? Because each thing that he said is powerful if you get it, if you can catch on to it. Um, God is way more interested in your hearts when you pray than he is in the words that comes out of your mouth. You can say the most beautiful prayer using all the King James words you want to use. God doesn't care about that. You know what He cares about? He cares about what's going on in your heart. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your mouth. Because we'll do things, we'll say things, impress people. and do. God sees through that. He wants to see your heart. Jesus said uh, before this passage, He said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. That's something that's probably worth following up on, isn't it? He'll reward you. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. Boy, that gets personal right there. He says, for they think that they're going to be heard because of their many words. Some of the, the quickest, some of the most pointed, and some of the biggest responses I've ever gotten back to a prayer need that I've had with God has almost, that's almost, has almost been the shortest prayers I ever prayed. You find yourself in some serious, serious trouble, you ain't praying a long time. You're hitting your knees real fast at that moment, and you're, you're, you, you're going to go after God's attention. 
Jesus is saying it's the matter of the heart. It's not the matter of what comes out of your mouth. Here's an illustration. I've used this before. It's been a while. I can't remember where I've used it, but it's a good one. If you ever go, if you ever travel to Rome, there is no doubt that you're going to visit the Holy Stairs. It's known as the Scala Sancta. Now, these stairs are believed to be the actual stairs of Pilate's house that Christ ascended and descended on the day of his condemnation when he was crucified. Uh, Those stairs were moved from Jerusalem to Rome. There is a uh, uh, ritual within the Catholic Church regarding the Scala Sancta. Catholics will ascend the 28 steps on their knees, all the while meditating on the passion of the Christ. And in return, they will receive from the church a plenary indulgence on certain holy days and a partial indulgence on other days, provided that they have confessed their sins, received holy communion, and they prayed for the Pope's intentions. It's just a ritual thing. And when you go there, you will see people by the hundreds and the thousands every day doing this same thing. Now, as they climb the stairs, they recite repetitious prayers. They begin, My Jesus, through the sorrows you suffered and being separated from your dear mother and your beloved disciples, have mercy on me. Holy Mother, pierce me through. In my heart, each wound renew of my Savior crucified. And then they go on to the next step, and they say, My Jesus, through the distress of mind, you suffered when betrayed by Judas. Have mercy on me. Holy Mother, pierce me through. In my heart, each wound renew of my Savior crucified. Painful step after painful step, they climb. Ritual prayer after ritual prayer, they will recite as they go up, these stairs and any time you go to this place you will find the deluded doing these things the rich the poor the great the small the young the old uh, some with holes in their clothing others with their pants rolled up you will see them in complete defiance of what the lord's teaching is regarding prayer Regarding prayer. Prayer according to Jesus, you'll see this up on the screen, is nothing more than pouring out our hearts to God. What does it say in Philippians? Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, uh, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's that's the secret right there. That's it right there. The sample prayer, again, that Jesus offered was not done by Jesus to communicate. When you pray, pray these words. He said, when you pray, pray this way. The first point in our message today has to do with our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your name. This has to do with the Father's person. 
This is the Father's person. Let me ask you this question. When you pray, who are you praying to? Who are you praying to? It's kind of important to know who you're praying to when you're praying. You know, praying is just talking. Um, If I wanted to talk to Merle, I'm going to say, hey, what's going on? I'm not praying to her. I'm talking. I do the same thing if I'm talking to my wife. I'm not praying to Didi. I'm talking to Didi. You know what prayer is? Prayer is talking. That's all it is. You can pray with your eyes shut. You can pray with your eyes open. It, it doesn't matter. I remember there was a guy in my last church. I was, now, if it was forever. It's been a while ago. John Wallace. John was a great, great guy. And he, every time he prayed, he would always pray with his eyes wide open. That always bugged me. Just bugged me. Because when he would pray... He would, re- buddy, I mean, he's like, he's going for the Super Bowl of all prayers every single time. Thing is, though, when he prayed, he really meant it. So he was the real deal. But he prayed with his eyes open. And I remember I would, I would tell him, why do you do that? How, how can you focus in doing that? I mean, to me, I can be up here and be on a point, and all of a sudden, squirrel, and I'm gone. Everything is gone with me. And he could just be so still. And just pray with his eyes open. And I used to think, gosh, I mean, I know I won't go to hell for it, but I just want to do something while he's praying just to see if I could break his concentration. He's just so steadfast. I could never do that. And I used to bug him. I, of course, I never did. I used to think, boy, it's a, you know, one of those things you, you want to, but you never will. So you entertain it, but you don't. That's what I did in all those years with my friend John Wallace. John would get up there and he'd start praying. And he would always begin those prayers with his eyes wide open. He'd put out his arms every single time. And he would say, Lord God. Uh, Larry Searcy. Uh, many of y'all, just to see how many of us are still here. How many of y'all here remember Larry Searcy? I wish those of you that didn't raise your hands, I wish you would have known Larry Searcy. Larry Searcy was an alcoholic who gave his life to Christ, and God radically changed Larry Searcy. How did Larry Searcy always begin his prayers? Remember? I do. Our most gracious heavenly Father. Remember that? How many of y'all remember that? Every single time he would pray. Those are the first words out of his mouth. Who are you praying to? When you close your eyes, do you ever stop to gather yourself before your mouth starts moving? And do you ever remind yourself who it is you're about to talk to at this very moment? The very one who has made everything that there is, you're about to go before him. The very one who has done everything for you, your family, your job, your dog, your kids, your likes, your dislikes, your, your everything, colors, smells, every, the one who has made everything out of nothing, you're about to go before. Every single time you pray. As a Christian, you have direct access to the throne of God. Did you know that? You do not need to go through a priest. You do not need to go through a preacher. 
You have direct access. Why? Because when the blood of Jesus covers your sins and you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're clean and you're set free. You have direct access to God. Who are you praying to? It is important to maybe take a step back before you pray and to recognize who it is you're talking to. It's a pretty big deal. Because the Lord's Prayer gives us the ingredients that goes into prayer, the Lord's Prayer reminds us that our prayers, they go to who? They go to the Father. To the Father. You know, Jesus began it by saying what? When he was asked, how do we pray? He said this. When you pray, pray this way. Who? Our Father. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say God. He doesn't say Jehovah. He doesn't say Yahweh. These are all names of God. The same God, not a different God. This is all names of God in the Bible. Adonai. All of these names, because names meant something. Names in the Bible had a definition. Your name has a definition. My name means prosperous. (laughs) Miss that one by a mile right there. But it also means one who guards. And I'm like, I can see that. I got 50-50 on that. There's a lot of names for God, but it's, it's God. But what does Jesus, what does he say to you and I when we talk to God? How do we see God? How are we supposed to see God? As your father. He's your dad. He's your heavenly dad. He is your father. He wants us to see him in this relational relationship role. Because that does something to you. It's not where you bow your heads and you're chanting these um, crazy, no-sense, nonsense prayers. And it's to whoever's listening. You are praying to your Father. He is your heavenly Father. And that's what Jesus wants you to remember when you talk to him. Why? Because he's personal. Because he's listening. Any right dad is going to listen to his children. He's going to hear their words. You know, dads have a way of being able to Watch TV or do something and listen at the same time. And we get a knock for that. We're paying attention. We're listening. Even when it's busy, we're listening. No matter how many times stuff's being brought up, we hear it. We want to fix it. We want to take care of this. We want to be there. We want to go above. We want to be beyond. We want to fix things. Your father is the person that you're talking to. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to hear from he wants you to hear from him. It's a two-way street. When Jesus said, Hallowed be thy name, what does that mean? Hallowed means holy. We are not holy. He is holy. Christ has made us holy, but we are sinful. And we're going to choose to do the thing that is wrong too many times. When we find ourselves on our knees again, finding the Father to again ask for forgiveness. 
but he is not unholy. He is holy. God is holy. This passage tells us that in worshiping God, we praise him, not just because he is, he's our father, he is holy. When we direct our prayers to God, Jesus wants us to understand too, God is not some kind of force. He is the father. Jesus referred to his name as being hallowed, uh, 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 holy. And because I said earlier, names meant something back then, this places the name of God above every name. Every name. It's a name that is to be worshipped, a name that is to be uh, revered. This is because, in your bulletin, He is a caring Father. He is a caring Father. He is loving and He is compassionate. The Bible tells us over and over and over that he restrains his anger. He will not stay angry forever. And the only way that he can be provoked to anger is complete, total, stiff-necked disobedience uh, with, his, with his children. God is a compassionate and a loving father. How loving is our father? He's so loving. He literally gave up his son to die the most brutal death that anyone has ever died so that you and I could have a way to get to heaven. That is how loving he is. He is not the one that smites these people and smites these people and all. That is not the character in the heart of our father. That's not it. He's not only a caring father, he is a consistent father he is completely dependable here's the good news about if you want to know who god is he will always be the same he hasn't changed two thousand years ago than the way he is right now today we do we redefine truth he doesn't he is dependable completely he's consistent three he is a close father you know the bible says he is there all the time uh, the worship team uh, shared that with us. If you were listening to any of the words in the music that you were singing this, this, this morning, he is close. He is always close. And then last, he is capable. He's capable. Nothing, no, nothing is too difficult for thee. He can do anything. He's the Lord. Jesus wants to direct our thoughts toward our real home and that's in heaven. And then the second aspect of this prayer is not just the Father's um, uh, person, but it's the Father's purpose. And you see this one in verse, in verse 10 when it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the phrase, thy kingdom come, uh, your will be done, is a reminder that we are to pray for God's plan in our lives in this world, not just our, our plan, what we want. When we pray, when we go to prayer, let's remember who He is. Let's just remember who He is. And then let's remember to pray for His will. That is your plan, His plan for your life. It's not just, God, I want this. God, I want that. Lord, would you do this for me? Lord, would you do that for me? Lord, what do you want for me? To 
uh, understand the Father's purpose, you have a purpose for being here. Some people figure this out uh, pretty quick. Some people will spend a lifetime really looking for its ultimate development of their purpose. But you have a purpose. You have a plan. If you did not have a purpose, if you didn't have a plan, you would not be alive today. Because why? It's impossible for God to make a mistake. You're here. There's a reason for you being here. That's the Father's purpose. And Jesus teaches us to affirm with total assurance that his disciples, that is, anyone here who accepts his sacrifice on the cross will enter the kingdom of heaven, and before getting there, you will have fulfilled the purpose that he has set forth in your life to make a difference in the lives of others down here. Long before Jesus came to earth, Jesus was worshipped by hundreds of millions of angels in heaven. They rush to do his will. And they are passionate on all the words that he says. When you read about them in the Old Testament, Jesus said, um, or the Bible tells us that there were legions and legions of angels that would have come out of this place called the heavenly world to deliver and save Jesus from the cross if he would have asked for it, but he didn't. And we know why he didn't. Because he came to take on your sin punishment and he put it on himself so you can escape that sin punishment because Jesus has paid your price. Jesus left a place of complete perfection, and Jesus came to a place of great imperfection. Jesus left the abode of holiness to come to a place of complete sinfulness. He left a place of eternal bliss, and he came down here to live among man's wickedness in all the things that he says and does. And he did all of these things to redeem mankind. He did all of these things to redeem you. And to redeem you. And to redeem me. See, that was the Father's plan. See, God has a plan. You have a plan. God has a purpose. You have a purpose. And in this prayer right here, Jesus is drawing our attention to remembering who are you praying to when you pray. Remember that as you pray, because if you do, it's going to guard you and it's going to guide you as you're praying to the Father. And you need to remember, too, he's got a plan for your life. Jesus was modeling what we humans should seek which is complete dependence on God's will for our lives. What is God's will for us in your bulletin? One, it is to know Him, Ephesians 1.17. That verse says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of trespasses according to the rules of His grace. He wants us to know Him. God is not slow concerning His promise, as many count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone perish, but that all come to repentance. 
Uh, they, we, read, we sang it earlier. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. 99 for us is a pretty good return if we had $100 and we had $99, but we couldn't find that $1. Most of us wouldn't even think about the $1 that was lost. 99% is good enough for us, but do you know 99% is not good enough for God? Isn't that, isn't that true? He leaves the 99 to go after the one. He wants us to know him. Second, he wants us to be like him. The Bible says in Romans uh, 8, 28 through 29, uh, this truth. When it says that when he predestined us to be conformed into the likeness of his son, he wants us to be like Jesus. There is something to be said about a person who says, yeah, I go to church, but when they live like the devil, all they have is religion. That's all they've got. They've never made the connection, the relationship. What should go from here to here doesn't make it. It's somewhere along the, the way. It just stops. They have a lot of head knowledge, but there is nothing there. There's nothing there. When a person gives their life to Christ, boy, the Bible says they get invaded by the Holy Spirit. And you, became, you become a, a child of God, an heir of the promise. You now have family that's royalty. That royalty is what created everything. And we are to be like Him. Now, that's a process. Three, we are to serve Him I urge you, therefore, uh, to present your bodies, brethren, present your bodies holy and acceptable to God. We are to serve Him. And then, and fourth, the Bible says we are to live with Him in heaven. That's a good one. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-5, through 5, Paul says this, for we know that if the earthly tent, this is our body, uh, is, for, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house that's not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked." For indeed, while we are in this tent, this body, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. See, when you give your life to Christ, what he gives us in return is his Spirit. And then, if we're walking with Him and trying to be like Him, as we serve Him, because we know Him, this is God's will for our lives. You know, the million-dollar question, especially uh, young people want to know, what, is God, what does God want for me? What's God's will for my life? And my answer every single time is to where, you're, where you are at right now, just go with it. Be good at home. Be good with others. Do what you're supposed to do. 
because you're in that stage where you're trying the waters all the time. God's will for your life is to know Him and to walk with Him. And if you'll do that, He takes care of everything else. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter uh, 5, 2? He said that if we will seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto us. What does that mean? If we will seek first His kingdom, that means to be heavenly minded. To seek first, first His kingdom and His righteousness. What is that? That's your performance. That's how you're going to conduct yourself. That's what you do. That's what you say. It's what you don't do. It's what you don't say. It's how you don't act. If you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. What things? Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? What you're going to do? What you're going to drive? The things that are, I mean, the important things that you want to know. God's will. He says, I'm going to take care of it. It's going to be a faith test until we get there, though, because I want you to be more heavenly minded than earthly minded. And I want you to really live like you know me. If you profess to know me, act like it. Let your words back up your actions, especially when you walk out of these doors. That's God's will. It's to know Him, and it's to make Him known to those who are around us. If you're here this morning, you need to understand that the first two parts of the Lord's Prayer is in understanding the Father's person. It's who He is. And then it's also in understanding His purpose, the Father's purpose. And that's the plan that He has for you in your life. And if you're here today... And if you do not know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to know, you can know that answer. And it is easy. Living the life can be difficult. If you don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, this is how you have a relationship with Jesus. If you recognize and know that you're a sinner, and if you're willing to believe that Jesus died for you to pay your price of sin when he died for you on that cross and you acknowledge him as to who he is and you surrender your life. In other words, you just say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner and I know it. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to live for you. I want to be like you. I want to know you and I'm willing to do what it takes. And the first thing you do is acknowledging your dependence on him because that's the reason why he came to earth and he died your death spiritually so that when you die spiritually, you don't have to die spiritually, you go straight to heaven. Because those who have no hope, those who do not have a relationship with Christ, they don't go. They are without hope. Jesus came to give us hope. If you're here today, and if you were like I was early on in your life and you didn't have a clue about anything, you can pray that prayer right where you're seated. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart. Take away my sins. I just want to, I want to follow you. Th that's the beginning point right there. Now, living the life is tough. But that's why you have your church family to help you to get through those tough times. Or if you're here this morning and you don't have a church home and you're looking for one, at the end, here in just a few seconds, you can come down. I'm going to go ahead and ask for the praise team to go ahead and come on up. In a few seconds, you can come on down. And when you do, you can either find me or any of the ministers here or any of those that might be at the back of the aisles, our prayer team. 
and just let them know, hey, I'm ready to be a member. I don't have a church home. I'm looking for a church home, and this is one where I want to begin to hang my hat. This is where I'm going to be. Or maybe you're here today, and there's just a lot of stuff going on in your life, and you just need prayer. That's cool, too. Find someone. They would love to pray with you as you leave. But if there's anything going on in your life, recognize this. The Father's person is one whose heart is pursuing you, and you may not even know it, but He's pursuing you because He wants a relationship with you. And so if you're here this morning and you find yourself separated, you can fix that today before you leave. Let's pray. Father, we just want to come before you, and God, we want to thank you for today. And we want to thank you, Lord, for the things that you're doing and will do this week. Lord, I pray and ask if there are those here today and they don't know what it means to be a Christian, God, every single person in this room was at that place at one, at one point in their life. Every single person. Because no one's born a Christian. It's a choice that we make. It's a decision that we take when we say, I want Jesus. So Lord, today, if anyone is struggling God, encourage them to speak to someone. They can get that answer so quick. Lord, if there are those here today and they're hurting and they just need encouragement, God, would you send that encouragement? Lord, I pray that as we uh, wrap up this service today, that you would remind us this week that when we pray to you, let's really take a moment to consider who it is we're talking to. God, I know it'll direct me a lot sharper than it needs to be. And I know, God, that for all of us in this room, it would put us in a position of awe as we reflect on who you are. And so, Lord, I just want to ask right now that you would move in our congregation at this, at this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.